What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by you, the people at Patreon. Thank you very much for supporting the show. I've got a couple questions from Patreon today. We are also brought to you by evalbloodanalysis.com. If you're in the UK, you can get your lab work done by Dave. He'll go to your house personally. He'll draw your labs. And if you order within an hour, you'll get a free pizza. So call now. We're also brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition. Use our code. We don't have a code to Strom, do we? Do we have a code for Strom, no. Dave? No. People ring, ask ring, us. Ring, ring Strom and say, think big bodybuilding media. I've rung to claim my free supplement. Yeah. Yeah. Just call him. Should we yeah. give out uh, Rick's phone number maybe on the show? I think he I'll would appreciate it. that. Yeah. It'd be good. Yeah, He'd appreciate ring, that. Ring Strom and say, think big bodybuilding media. Can I have my free supplement, please? That's all you got to say. And he'll mm -hmm. drop it in the mail immediately. Mm-hmm. All right. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadians. Uh, great deals that change week to week. Dave, um, we have um, we've got a hot topic today and we are going to bring in we're going to bring in the big guns for a minute, too. We'll bring Victoria in shortly. Uh, but this is a topic. It's interesting because I, I made a statement a few weeks back um, about me feeling that people are overdoing labs lately and you made a statement on the last show. We talked about it afterwards of, you know, people who are like trying to just get all sorts of things tested that really aren't going to be to their advantage. So the comment slash question that I got from Jim was he said, um, is this the one? No, this is the hair loss question. He had another one here. It, uh, somewhere in here. Anyway, his main point, though, was <laughs> that he, he had he had asked if I could um expand on what I had said on it's just bodybuilding. And my thought is there is going to be some pushback to the overdoing of labs that's been happening in the last few years. And since that, I've I've actually seen uh, some more drama going on. I, I'm not going to get into it specifically, but one coach is calling out another coach uh, because he says he's over prescribing labs. And, and the reality is, is that everybody nowadays is connected to some sort of TRT clinic. So they want you to go get labs done by whatever company they're involved in because they're getting a kickback every time you get $600 worth of labs. So you sign up with them and then immediately we must do, you know, various different tests. I'm not going to say specific names because it would maybe point toward the person that's been in question lately. But, you know, anyway, what is your thought on that, Dave? Because I think there is going to be some kickback and I think that people are going to be turned off and and leery of of being told how frequently they should do labs as a result of all this, because it's a lot of money people are spending on this. We get this throughout it. So it's like you'll get people researching the nuance of steroid interactions. Um, they'll, you'll get people deep diving into subject matters uh, and feeling that these subject matters are really important and yet they can't actually muster the energy to do a set in the gym with any level of aggression or intensity. And, and it's... People focus on this technical stuff, not everybody, but very often at the cost of ignoring the basics. Um, and people get so wrapped up. I mean, I remember, and this isn't a dig before anyone starts trying to stir shit, but I remember uh, more plates, more dates talking about the sensitive estrogen test. Yeah, yeah. And the amount of people we got messages, oh, do you do the sensitive estrogen test? No, we don't. I can do it. 
but it's three weeks turnaround and it costs a bloody fortune. And the thing is, by the time you've got the results, where you were has passed. It's not going to be particularly relevant anymore because of the time delay. Uh, so it's just not a realistic test in the UK to do because the turnaround okay. times are too long. Okay. We can get uh, it done more rapidly here. Like, and yeah, I, I know it doesn't take quite as long. It is more expensive. You know, it's not always necessary. No, and I think I think the the information from it is potentially limited. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you if you're looking at something like you're running trend and you want to know your eastern levels, then it's a very valid test to do. But you have a rough idea where you're eastern based off your testosterone levels. Yeah, you, you know, you, you can you can have a rough idea whether your eastern's in the ballpark or where it should be based off where your test is. Because if your test is double range, you'd expect to see estrogen in a similar sort of pattern. It's not that linear, but there is a relationship. Generally, the, what I've done, just like the logic to me, is that we start the cycle without the trend in. And mm. then from there, if we wanted to get an estrogen reading, we would do that first. Make and sure. Yeah, because yeah, mm. my thought, too, is that I haven't seen trend be um, a substantial issue unless you have... Um, high levels of estrogen to go along with that. So if we can get the estrogen under control first, then we add the trend in. We know we aren't going to have side effects if estrogen's already under control. I mean, I, I see, Coach, I, people will message us and say, can you deliver this test? And and there'll be 50-odd markers in there, and it's like, well, no, but it's like, I want a, I want an insulin check. Well, that's fine, but by the time I've got your sample to the lab, because we're remote, i.e. the lab's not where we take the samples, that insulin reading is not going to be accurate. Or, you know, I want a, uh, what's the other one that we often get asked for? Calcium reading. Same thing. Okay. Deteriorates very rapidly with age. Okay. So, as in age of sample, not age of person. Yeah. Um, so by the time those samples have got to the labs, you can no longer guarantee those samples are going to be accurate. Okay, so IGF you're saying you, you're recognizing limitations from private testing in the UK is what you're Yeah, well, you're it's unless you're getting your bloods done at the testing center, the actual lab that's doing the test, Yeah, then insulin, uh, not insulin, sorry, growth hormone, IGF-1, uh, yeah, insulin and calcium are not going to be accurate. Because yeah. by the time that sample's gone through whatever delivery mechanism you use to get to the lab, those samples are not going to be good enough to get an accurate reading. So those tests are only any good if they're done at the lab that tests them so that the sample's in the machines pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, and so there are certain tests that are time-sensitive. And, and we get, you know, these requests and these shopping lists of, of tests and then it's like, oh, okay, uh, and, and, you know, you get into conversation and find out that they're, they're not competing or they might compete as men's physique in a couple of years. They're just starting out. And it's like, you're still learning how to train. You're still learning how your body works. Why are you getting bogged down with all this technical crap? Yeah. When at this point you should be focused on good, solid diet consistency, good, solid training, and if you choose to use drugs, then fine. But you don't need all this complex testing. Um, but it's a selling point, isn't it? You know, you're a better coach if you want them to test for everything under the sun. 
and that's the way I've I've kind of seen it as you know it, it it is kind of a selling point. It's it's a two factor selling point. Number one is uh, I'm smarter smarter than other coaches because I'm telling you you need to get these tests done and they don't know about this stuff. And number two, a lot of people are making a direct profit off of having you do these tests. And hey, the reality is, Dave, to me, I mean, you're you have a business where you are selling lab work. I mean. You're, you're kind of going on a limb here by telling people not to do as much lab work. You're telling them not to give you as much business is really what you're saying, you know? Yeah, I, I tell people, because we have a national health service, I, I will tell people, look, they'll do a test. Something might not quite be where you want it, but there may be influencing factors, so we're not 100% certain how accurate that test is. And I'll say, look, get in touch with your doctor. Use this lab work to prompt them yeah. to redo that test for you for free. Yeah, there you go. Because if you've got, for argument's sake, the, the, the common ones is uh, kidney function. So EGFR, obviously, based off creatinine. Creatinine is very influenced by dehydration, protein, exercise, muscle mass. So we commonly see creatinine levels elevated, and we commonly see EGFR lower than is optimal. I will say, use those results, ring your doctor, ask them, for a recheck, which they will be obliged to do because you've shown them results that show reduced kidney function. Make sure you're well-rested, well-hydrated, and fasted when you do the test, and you'll get the most accurate one you can for free. But if you want, we can do a cystatin C test. It will cost you X amount, um, but it won't be influenced by these factors. The choice is theirs, but by all means, go to your GP, get it done for free, because I'd rather see them. I know this sounds tacky and corny and there'll be people calling bull, but I would rather see people right than see them spend money they don't have to spend. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I stand too. And then interestingly, so this is something I really started thinking about uh, three, four weeks ago. And I, like I said, I mentioned it on it's just bodybuilding. Um, and then when we went to Swiss, this was a big part of what Victoria was talking about too. So I thought, we could take a minute and uh, and bring Victoria in. Let's see what she has to say about this. Victoria Felker, thank you for joining us. Right, before we start, are you in the Hello. same house? Yes. Yeah. So why didn't she just walk into your dingy basement and sit next to you? Because it, we don't, you know, she was just on a show last week. We had some technical issues wanna, with getting just the headphones. Wanna be, to, yeah, that's what it is. We're yeah, not, she just uh, doesn't want to be near you. Yeah. Victoria, thank you for joining us. Um, like I was telling the people that you were just at Swiss, and this is one of the topics you talked about, that uh, the, the over, basically the overprescribing of labs by coaches. And I'm going to go a step further and say something else, is that I think that we are also stepping as coaches beyond our role by – pretending that we're practitioners of health and you know we're not we're that we're doctors and that we know more than doctors and sure there is a certain amount of information that maybe your average doctor doesn't understand especially about athletes <coughs> but that said though i i do think that people are getting into a gray area there and mm. i'm going to go back to saying that i really feel like that that's been a a way for a coach to upsell himself and the only reason i share these thoughts is because i don't want to see people out there getting duped by some fancy sales pitch. Anyway, Victoria, tell us uh, what are your thoughts here? What are some things people could consider uh, getting into, you know, what lab work they should choose and how often they should do it, stuff like that? Yeah, so it's something that I'm 
very passionate about and I've actually spoken about probably for like the last four or five years now because I started to see like an upward trend. I think it's also though, like, as you mentioned, Scott, like it's important to note that like bodybuilders are already like ostracized in the medical community. And then if you add steroids in, that's like another layer of discrimination. So I totally can empathize and understand with people wanting to um, take initiative of their health because they're not getting that from medicine. So like, I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) What I'm talking about is people that are running these massive gauntlet lab panels that are costing them four, five, six, seven hundred dollars without ever having an, a proper assessment completed first to even understand if any of those markers are relevant for them. And I just feel like that's a really big problem right now plaguing our industry because you get this um, almost test first, talk later mentality with coaches and people are feeling like they have to invest this type of money in getting just like absolutely asinine lab markers done that really you have to have them not only put in like an individual context, but then a medical relevancy first before you would even run them. What do you mean by that medical relevancy in, in the individual? Um, so for example, people that are getting, let's just say an example of a, um, a thyroid panel done. Let's say that person doesn't actually display any potential short and long-term symptoms of having any type of thyroid abnormality. And the first place they're starting with is getting TSH, free T4, um, total T4, free T3, total T3, reverse T3, antibodies, uh, two to three different types, anti, like your anti-TPO. And, and then they're also running sometimes even like iodine, which is not even that accurate from a serum perspective. And so they're getting this massive, like what I would call like an advanced panel done as a first line entry yeah. into getting an assessment done. And that just doesn't make sense from a clinical standpoint. Typically speaking, there's at least the way that I understand and was taught is that there are um, almost like a staircase approach when you're running labs and that whatever labs you're running also have to be put in clinical context. So for example, uh, somebody who is on, let's say, a an oral steroid, whether it's an anabolic or an estrogen and progesterone, there are certain considerations you have to ask, like, why are we running these markers in the first place? Does this make sense based off of this drug? What are we trying to actually understand? Are we trying to understand how that drug is interacting with their body? Or are we trying to survey for certain um, side effects or secondary outcomes. So I just think that like the conversation right now is like, you know, throwing shit at the wall and hoping that something sticks and that's not okay. Yeah. And I have to say, Dave, like I said to Scott, like I was afraid to talk about this because I was like, I don't want to offend Dave and I don't want him to be mad at me. I'll be our biggest selling panel is what we call athlete pro. We're thinking of changing it to the MOT. Um, but it is an inch. So we do do thyroid markers in there, but we only do TSH, T4, and T3. And the main reason we keep T4 and T3 in is because obviously a lot of our customer bases use use growth hormone. Yeah. So we're looking to see if T4 levels have dropped because of that. Um, but we don't. We do. We do offer ATOP and antithyroid glob. 
but those markers on their own are generally useless because they only come into play if you've already got a baron thyroid markers. But we do yeah. the full blood panel, we do liver, kidney, bone profile, protein profile. So your basic inflammation markers, CRP, CK, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then we do the, within that test, we do D, B12, folate, and mainly because they're contributors to either thyroid health or they're contributors to red blood health. Mm -hmm. um, so red blood cells being particular with B12 and folate. Um, and then it's the hormone panel and prostate and HbA1c. But that's probably as in-depth as we go. Um, and we use that as, and, and how we, if someone's not had tests before, uh, and a lot of our client base has had a, I wouldn't say, probably not the best relationship with their drug use, mm -hmm. then we use that as a start point. But then from that, we go back into what's relevant rather than just constantly battering everything. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, you know, Dave, what you just said is exactly what I almost all, to a T what I had recommended at Swiss as like your baseline markers. Yeah. Like after you talk to somebody and you get your assessment, like we're on par exactly the like, you know, your CBC, your CMP, your lipids, like you start with the basics first and then you yeah. build on that. And then you also contextualize it because sometimes you don't have to run all of those. And other times you might need to run more than those. But it's context specific. I'm going to jump in because we're 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 running short on time. So I wanted to cut us there, Dave, because we did have a bunch of listener questions still. And some of these were related to stuff you're saying right now. So I wanted to be able to jump in with that. Victoria, we appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always. Bye, Dave. See you later, Vic. See you soon. Um, when you uh, go yeah. upstairs. I. <laughs> I wanted to jump in, though, because like I said, you were getting at stuff, though, that was part of our listener question. So I just wanted to bring Victoria on really quick because I know she had a lot to say and we could keep talking about that all day. Hey, what's up, guys? I have a lot of people who reach out to me on a regular basis who are trying to more effectively reach their goals. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that they're not getting enough protein. And there's only so much chicken breast we can eat through the day, but we can easily add a high quality protein supplement to boost those numbers up. True Nutrition has just about every protein powder you can think of from high quality weight isolate. If you don't tolerate lactose, then you could use their beef isolate, or you could use their pea protein isolate if you don't eat animal products. They literally have everything you think of. Of. I believed in them for like a decade before they advertised with us. And they, they never went out of their way to say like, hey, we want to promote our stuff through you. I literally asked them because it's a company that I believe in. And at the end of the day, I want to see you guys reach your goals as effectively as possible. So if you use our code, think at True Nutrition, you'll get some savings, you'll help to support our programming, and you'll get some high quality products to more effectively reach your goals faster. Um, we had a bunch of stuff though, and this was one of them. So in your opinion then, Dave, when should somebody get uh, their blood work done if they're running a 12-week test-only cycle? How would that look for you? For me, and I'm not saying this is right, this is just how I like to do it. For me, I would be testing estrogen levels at about week five or week six. I would probably include testosterone levels in that for the simple reason as we're using UGLs, we don't know if the gear's legit, so it would be nice to see where test and estrogen are. Yeah. Because if I run estrogen and it comes back that estrogen's in range, is this because this person is 
a little bit unique and isn't aromatizing at a great rate, or is it because the test he's using is absolute garbage and he's just not got enough in his system? So I would generally run two there. For most people, something of that nature, I'm assuming that they're not feeling particularly ill before they start the cycle, then I would see no real reason to look at anything till post-cycle. I would use the hormone management, as I say, about week five, six, five or six. If they were doing a PCT, I would then rerun bloods four weeks post-PCT. And at that point, I would probably look at lipids. I'd probably look at FBC. Because what I'm seeing then is the after effects of what's now more likely to be more sustained. Yeah. I've lost the fluctuations. And now I'm going to see stuff that's more likely sustained. And then we can start working on, right, we need to do X, Y, Z before you go back on cycle. If, however, this is someone who's had a history of random drug use with no real structure, then there would be certain things I'd want to look at before cycle, particularly stuff around full blood count, lipid values would be my main two, because I don't want to push someone into a cycle if they've already got HDL that's dangerously low. You know, yeah. I want to get some support and management into that first before we allow them to take a drug that's going to push it lower. Um, but it, it also, I mean, I've had people come and get tests done on the day of their competition. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, that's not, well, it's relevant to what you're doing. Yeah. Though there will be a lot of adulterated markers on that day because of dehydration, because of everything else that's going on, you will also see the worst case scenario. So you can know that next time, these are my areas that are at risk. And this is what I can within what I'm doing build in to try and minimize that stress factors on the day of competition. Yeah, I've never done labs the day of, I, I would mm, say. So if, if somebody were new to gear, obviously we would want to get their test levels checked before mm -hmm. they ran anything, you know, so that way we know what they're going back to for a baseline, oh, yeah. you know, so there's yeah, I that. that. And I, I knew yeah. you knew, I knew you would say that too, but just for anybody that happened to be new that was listening to this. I didn't say it though. So it's good that you did because I did completely forget about that. <laughs> and, and the only time I've ever tested um, like in a contest, cause I, I'll see where I'm at before the cycle, say at 16 weeks out during the cycle itself, if there was like an estrogen problem, something like that, mm -hmm. I was unconfident with that. Then maybe I'd check that. But personally, the only other time I've ever run anything during a contest prep for myself and usually for most other people would be, let's say we're four weeks out and we're thinking about running Halo. And I'm thinking to myself, let's see what things look like. Where, how far are you, like, are you redlining already? You know what yeah. I mean? And if you are, then maybe that would change what we were going to do. Otherwise, I'll, I'll wait till after the show. I know where we were yeah. before. and that. But I can see what you're saying, though. Get it done right at that point. And I know other people. Andrew well, Berry's talked about doing that, too. And you, I, I'm, you, not sorry, I'm not particularly saying you need to get it done at that point. It's not something I would regularly prescribe. Okay. What, but, but what I'm saying is that there is a relevance at whatever point you test. Yeah. But that test is only relevant to the point where you test. And I know that sounds a bit fucking moronic, but, you know, if I test on comp day, I know there's going to be adulteration results in there that are temporary because of the day it is. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a true evaluation of my health, but it is an evaluation of the stresses I'm going through at that point. Um, I mean, generally speaking, 
I, I like a hormone check within the first five to six weeks of any cycle, um, uh, particularly if it's somebody who's inexperienced or hasn't used those compounds or haven't used them in that setup before. Um, I, If someone's a repetitive user, I would want bloods before they started a cycle to make sure that the, the base health markers are in a position where we're healthy enough to do the cycle in the first place. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, usually depending on whether they're TRT or PCT, there would be a test post-cycle to see that we are back where we need to be and if not, what we need to work on to improve before would we attempt to, to rerun. So if I did, say I did bloods on someone six weeks post-cycle uh, and HDL was low, blood was a bit thick, so we're, right, let's get a couple of blood lights in, yeah, start running these supplements. I'm unlikely to check that again mm. prior to going back on because I already know we've got management in place on top of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it, it's, it is relevant in that where you test at one point will affect whether you need to test again at a later point. Sure. All right. How about this one then? Cause we did have a bunch more related to labs. Um, do you ever look at, uh, natural GH levels in relationship to TRT? Um, one lot of bloods I had done looked at my GH, um, couldn't get to the bottom of why they did it and what the levels were. Do you think that low T could stimulate more GH production? Thanks. I have no idea. I genuinely have no idea. We don't we don't test for GH. It's not something I've ever really looked at data wise. So I have I have no idea. I think a lot of the clinics are testing for GH. At least they were, because they could give you like. So you go into a TRT clinic and you're there to get like your testosterone and you know whatever maybe an AI if if they say you need it and they give it to you. And I see some of this stuff as then being add-ons. So then they'll tell you, oh, by the way, your test is low. Uh, up until the peptide laws changed, they'd say, you know, we're going to give you a prescription for IPAM and the CJC, and you're going to take this, you know, twice a day, and it's going to cost you, you know, another $500 per month. But don't you worry, because we're going to get those, you know, we need to boost those GH levels up. I think that's a lot of, a lot of what that has to do with. So where I have seen test levels affect is thyroid. Test levels affect thyroid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I have seen test levels affect thyroid, uh, particularly low test levels um, and thyroid. I wonder, does it affect uh, it or is it like kind of birds of a feather? You know what I mean? Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, and there are some, um, Vicky probably knows more about this than me anyway, but there, there are some, interrelationships between T4 levels and, and, and um, uh, total testosterone levels. Um, okay. But yeah, I have seen a little bit there. Yeah, I have seen um, that too. The the other thing I think that a lot of people, going off slightly off to the center there, but just why it's fresh in my head, I see a lot of people reacting to prolactin levels, not realizing that prolactin elevates with stress. Ah. It, eleva it elevates, uh, it, it, it links with DHEA, um, and you'll see people with a prolactin level that's probably 10, 15, 20% over top of range, and they're slamming caber, and it's like, unless you've got something that's going to drive prolactin hard, like an androlone, yeah. you don't you don't need caber. It, it's, it's most likely a stress reaction, and just good old P5P will be enough to manage something of that nature. But, yeah, I see prolactin levels elevate quite a lot, at small amounts and people very much overreact to that thinking they need to slam caber in. How about this one? <laughs> um, 
something we talked a little bit about last week is that maybe a full episode with Dave on recreational drugs versus steroids or both at the same time. I'd be very interested in what he has to say and maybe he could cover the different types of drugs and how they affect the body. I need some bloods done by Dave soon. Uh, I've never tested before. And, and he says, um, and also, what can uh, you get away with in regards to progress? So you, we mentioned last week that you do, you know, you, you have your company eval, you do a lot of lab work. A lot of it is for bodybuilders, but you've also had guys that, like, I know you had a DJ who goes yeah, around in tours. And, uh, two DJs. And these guys are out, like, partying hard and taking recreational drugs to stay up all night. And they'll come in and get their labs done, too. What have you seen to be the most harmful of recreational drug users? Who has, like, the worst lab work? Hmm. And granted, you're probably not seeing, like, you know what I mean, like, the stone cold, you know... Uh, junkies, uh, the, you know what I mean. You're still getting people that are doing their labs, so they're they've got money in their pockets still. So, you see effects on prolactin from cocaine use. You see effects on estrogen and blood thickening from weed. Oh, blood thickening, uh, huh? From smoking weed. Ah, yeah, and yeah. it's the smoking element that's causing a the problem there. Yeah. One of the biggest impacting drugs, which people probably won't think of, is actually alcohol. Oh, God, yeah. But people don't see that as a drug, but technically it is. Yeah, it's a good answer. Um, what I, the worst I've seen or the most impacting I ever saw was nitrous oxide. You're kidding me. What did you no, see? Uh, um, basically, their nervous system was trashed. What do you mean? So nitrous oxide strips B12 and starts to delaminate the nervous system. Okay. So so the protective coating around your nerves gets destroyed. Huh. Um, and it can cause paralysis and all sorts of things. Um, and I've seen one guy strikes out in particular that that, that was a mess with, with nitrous oxide stuff. Okay. Um, we, we, we do have some uh, unique customers. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, Coke doesn't have huge blood marker impacts, hmm. but it does have impacts cardiovascularly that occur, are quite and can be quite severe. Sure. Um, one of the issues is more the cross-polymer drug use. So, so here's a, a very simple scenario. And I actually know somebody who died because of this. Okay. You take gear, your blood thickens. Your heart wall thickens. These are side effects of taking anabolics. And even if you get your blood thickness in control throughout, you'd still have an element of heart wall thickening. The myocardium is going to thicken. It's part of what happens. Um, when your myocardium thickens, your heart wall, it loses some elasticity. As a result as well, testosterone will minimize the elasticity of the heart wall. So what you end up with, instead of your heartbeat and the movement of your wall being quite large and there being a big pump of blood, it ends up getting shorter. Because it gets shorter, it has to be more frequently to compensate to keep blood flow at an adequate level. That is a very dangerous foundation to then start taking any form of stimulant like cocaine or amphetamine. That would make sense, yeah. Because the heart will effectively fall over itself. It will trip itself up, stutter with its beats, 
and can actually even stop. And I know, mm. like I said, I know someone who died. The other thing is, obviously, the mismanagement of long-term cholesterol uh. creates plaque. Plaque yeah. narrows the artery. When you have a, an, a high heart rate and a sustained high heart rate, that can cause that artery, that plaque, to break off. Yeah. If you think about a river, and in the summer, the load of shit gathers at the sides, and uh -huh. it stays there. Yeah. It's only when the floods come that all that shit gets pushed off the sides and dragged down the river. That's plaque and blood flow when you're on a stimulant. The blood flow's flowing through much faster, picks up the plaque and starts to pull it off the arterial wall. That forms a, a blockage. You have a myocardial infarction or a heart attack, and things go south from there onwards. So it's I've always had the attitude that if I'm going to take any substance that is negative to my health, I am going to stick at one. Yeah, you mentioned that last week, one at mm. a time. How about this I, one? I, I think related, it works. <laughs> this is related to your kidney situation. Um, he says, Dave, do your kidneys hurt? Or uh, is your urine foamy? Uh, wishing you both the best. Uh, much love, Dave from Manchester. My urine is like bubble bath. Is it? Oh, yes. But I have never had particular kidney, what I would class as kidney pain. So you never, even when before you were diagnosed, like there was, there was no signs that was like, oh, God, this really hurts. I need to. It was, it, so you're saying no, it was kind of no, more of a I, silent thing? From what, from what I know, um, I mean, when I was diagnosed, I was carrying an extra 55 pounds of water. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, my my extremely small member swelled up, so it was quite literally about four inch across. Oh God! Oh yeah, it was huge. I wish oh I could have kept God. it. Away, but yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> four four <laughs> inches across. I couldn't. I couldn't put my legs together. My balls and my dick were that big. I Holy put my legs together. dude, that must have been terrifying. Uh, well, it was the irony of it was. So I I'd, I'd got a, I'd sort of got half admitted to hospital. So I was on this like half semi ward. Okay. So I wasn't fully admitted to the hospital, but I was on this waiting ward, and they were assessing what they were going to do with me. So I had a bed, uh, but I wasn't actually on a you know a proper medical ward. And uh, I, I said, I went to the nurse and I said, "Look, the swelling's getting worse. You know, I could really see my hands were ballooning up and everything." And she says, "Look, we don't need to worry until your genitalia start to swell. That's when we know it's serious." Oh, good. So about an hour later, I went back to her, walking like John Wayne with my knees about 12 inches apart. <laughs> and I went, you know that problem you said I needed to let you know if it happens? <laughs> and straight away, I was moved to Leeds renal oh. uh, department. But uh, wow. So I, I've never experienced kidney pain. Okay. What I do get is extreme fatigue, and it's constant. Yeah. So I, I just, I feel tired 24-7. It never goes. Um, I, it's, you get used to it. And I, this, I'm not trying to sound like I'm some sort of martyr or anything, but if anyone suffers with chronic pain or suffers with, you start to get to learn to live with it because it's just there all the time. It just becomes the standard. Uh, but I'm always very, very tired uh, from the moment I get up. It, it, that, that's probably the biggest impact my kidneys have had on how I feel. Okay. Uh, urination is frequent, um, and sometimes without warning. Wow. Okay. So it, when I need to go, I need to go. 
Yeah. Um, but other than that, I've never really had any pain from it. No. But yeah, my I mean, this I go for a pee, and it looks like someone squirted washing up liquid. Oh God! All right, we had a bunch more stuff here. Um, oh, couple comments. So we watched that Vice video last week. Um, this guy says, um, "I was on this video with Dave, one of the guys on stage with a blurred face." Guess now I'm a drug abuser. There's uh, guys on the video who's natty. Poor guy probably has been dumped by his girlfriend now for being a gearhead. So there was people that were on the show, as well as you, that actually watch our programming. That's crazy. Small world. Mm. Very small world. Yeah, the joys of vice. Yeah. All right. I I need to ring them and kick off with them, actually. You still haven't gotten a hold of them yet, huh? I haven't even tried. I've been, I forgot, mate, to be honest. Um, how about this one? So this is that one from Jim McDonald. He said, uh, so this is his first drugs and stuff question. He says at 49, and he's from Patreon. Thank you very much. I uh, still have a decent head of hair last cycle. It was primo and test. Felt amazing, but lost a lot of hair. Uh, basically, what would be a good cycle that wouldn't cause major shedding? Um well, I would have said if you're losing on primo, you're going to lose on mast as well. You know, I'm not. I, I'm the opposite of that. I do. You? Yeah, yeah. So I keep forgetting that I, I, my hair starts shedding rapidly on primo, but mast it doesn't. But primo, okay. I, I get on it, and a few days in, I, I like I wash my hair and I look at my hands, and it's just covered. But it, it was just primo. I don't know why. Doesn't happen with mast. Doesn't happen with anivar. Doesn't happen with winstrel. It's just primo. <laughs> See this now. This is this is what we were talking to Vicky about. That the science not always panning out in real. She world. doesn't like Vicky, by the way. Did you know that? Oh, sorry. No, she I she, she hates Vicky. She'll get really mad at you, Dave. Okay, Victoria. I'm sorry. You could call her Tori. She wouldn't mind okay. that. But I don't know if professionally that's a you know that's like her at home name and her friends and family name. You could you probably get away with it. You know, no. Miss Felker. <laughs> there you go. You're saying, uh, you're- I'm, yeah, I mean, Primo is a, is from a point of view of anabolic development, is a very sophisticated drug, uh, and part of the properties were to reduce the negative DHT impacts on stuff like prostate and hair. Yeah. So, so in theory, it shouldn't be bad on hair, but it is. Um, yeah. You know, people do suffer with it. Um. So, well, I mean, you can experiment with mast, and if it doesn't work, and you lose all your hair, blame Scott. Yeah, there you go. Okay. You can do that. How about this one then? Um, Nevin, uh, also on Patreon, says uh, thoughts on Anivar post uh, uh, surgery for healing, knee surgery. Uh, what milligram dosage do doctors normally prescribe for wound healing, burn victims, and for how long? What's the mechanism of action around Anivar and wound healing? Increases collagen synthesis, just like EQ and DECA, right? All three of those things mm-hmm. would work. Um, what about other things? You know, because those are like the go-to you always hear. Anivar, EQ, DECA. Always hear DECA, especially. Uh, collagen. Well... You know, take some collagen. Yeah, I mean, um, DECA is an anti-inflammatory and, and obviously um, increases collagen synthesis, which helps with, with, with tendon repair and such like. I'm not that up on Anavar and its properties for healing. I know it does it, but I've never actually looked into any any particular reason as to why it does it. 
to be honest. So you've probably had more experience with Anavar and injuries than I have. We understand it is just the the same, the, you know, like a something like a three hundred percent increase in collagen synthesis, something along those lines. I think the big thing that we're not like as bodybuilders, we go so extreme with everything. So now we're taking a hundred Anavar and five units of growth and BPC, and we're taking collagen, and then you get scar thickening. You know, you people don't realize that collagen. It, it, like if you get a muscle tear of some type and then you lay down a ton of collagen, that's really nice at first. It's like a patch, but over time it, it gets brittle. Um, mm. and, and that's what we have issues with. And that's where people go into deep tissue to try to get that stuff broken up. It, um, you know, poor blood flow and, and it, it causes adhesions basically. So uh, mm. I, I just want to be careful. I'd keep it, I'd keep it modest as possible. So my guess 25 milligrams, maybe a couple units of growth and some BPC. Go to True Nutrition, get some hydrolyzed beef collagen. That would be, I'd use 30 30 grams of that a day uh, for healing. In fact, Dave, you know, when I've taken growth, I notice my fingernails grow harder and faster. And when I've taken collagen, I've gotten the exact same effect with my fingernails. Hmm. No, I mean, it's it's a base compound for, for, for all that anyway, isn't it? Collagen at the end of the day. Yeah, I I do like TB. Um, ah. I have to admit, I'm not a big peptide buff or a big peptide fan, but I am I am a fan of TB and BPC. Um, I think they're misused. Um, yeah. I think they're too generalized, and I think people use TB when, or should I say, people use BPC when they should be using TB, and use TB when they should be using BPC. Yeah, uh, but there is a synergy between the two as well. Uh, but um, with regards to one of our injuries, I, I can't give you any more than you've already said because I don't know anymore. Dave appeared and sounded really happy on this podcast, lively and energetic. Why were you in such a good mood last week, Dave? I don't know. That's uh, not know. like you. Some... No, I know. I've, I've uh, honed the grumpy old man quite well over the years. Um, Where's Christmas cabbage? We've had people asking. Did you ever find he him? He's here. Do you want me to go get him? I'll you have him, him now, finally? Yes, I'll go get him. Hang on. Matt stopped even asking. Oh, Matt did ask. There he is. You found him. So he's been hanging out. With these two. <laughs> oh. What has he been hanging out with them for? Why has he been know. hanging out with them? What's up with that? I don't know. So he's been hanging out with Eval Octopus on top of the water cooler. Uh, does anyone know if you can pre-prep your syringes? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, people get all this, oh, you're going to get infected to this. Look, the syringe is sterile. The needle is sterile. You're moving a sterile fluid into a new sterile chamber. Yeah. Well, there's nothing more to it. You know, it, it's 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 just a different vessel to contain it in. Yeah. I've been doing that with um, L-carnitine because I, I, what I've wanted to do is get into a habit of AM fasted cardio, and I'm trying to retrain my body to burn fat. And first thing in the morning, I don't want to like be drawing out a bunch of L-carnitine. So I, I preload like five of them and just set them in a little container <coughs> on my desk. And then I'm ready to go. First thing in the morning, grab my L-carnitine, pop and go. 
Oh, and this as well, I would like to say it's got nothing to do with the podcast, but I would like to say a massive shout out to Romana. She's at Florida. She competes in the Olympia this weekend. Oh, heck and yeah. With with all got expecting big things, and if you don't do well, then you suck. Fuck off. You don't have a job. <laughs> she looks great too, dude. It's like uh, last looks I saw of her, man, she's done so much with her physique, hasn't she? She looks fantastic. I, I actually, I mean, I'm not that up on it, but I. I got a sneaky suspicion she's going to do all right, you know. Yeah. I don't think I can... she's going to. I think she's. I, I mean, I don't think she's going to be challenging for top spot, but yeah, I, I, I think she's going to have a respectful impact. I was going to see if I could find. She her deserves it. Here. She deserves it as well. I'll see if I can find her profile later and, and drop a picture in here. We got a couple more. We'll try to blast through these. Um, what about this one, Dave? Uh, <laughs> oh, another comment. He said, after the trend episode, we had uh, Tim on, the researcher. He said, I confronted my buddy about his use. He was trying to get lean for a show and started trend. He went from being just a friendly little redneck to an out-of-control egomaniac who thought he was going pro. He crashed his truck into a trailer park, started fist fights with random people or started fights with random people online. Uh, and he left his wife for a D ball bodybuilding chick and he's blocked him on social media. Wow. That's a terrible trend story right there. That's like the worst trend story. That's, that's like all the bad things you think about trend, right? That's the ultimate trend story. Really? Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. It's like uh, total things not to do. Um, we just talked about a little bit about this, but a question for the next show. Um, peptides. Uh, is there enough research done about the long-term continual use of peptides such as BPC-157? As peptides grow in popularity, I know they are commonly used post-injury to aid in healing, um, but what about using it for more continual long-term periods for overall wellness? I don't think you're going to see any particular benefit from BPC long-term use unless you're using it to treat a problem. Yeah. Um, it's very supportive of kidneys. If you've got kidney function issues, I use it quite a lot for that. Um, I know people that use it for Crohn's and it, yep. it helped with that as well, orally. Um, and obviously we know it's history around injury repair and such like, but it's a bit like saying, shall I take painkiller meds every day just in case I end up hurting myself? Yeah. It, it's not going to have that, that sort of increase the benefit of life. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, there is not much in the way of negatives as long as what you're using is of a good quality uh, and more than anything of, of a good sterility. Um, and from what I've seen around the peptides, the biggest issue is often around the sterility of the compounds rather than anything else and, and, and them containing shit they shouldn't. Um, but... Yeah, it's not something I, I see as a long-term investment or, or anything that's going to have any real-world impact every day unless you're dealing with managing a problem. Okay, just a couple more here. Did you ever hear of uh, uh, Lucas ask us, have you ever heard of people having vision problems while taking DECA? I have not. 
Have you? I have not. Most of the vision problems that I am aware of have been based around estrogen levels. In Clomid. Hmm. Well, anything that, yeah, because Clomid will block the uh, estrogen receptor in the eye. It's crazy, man. Did you ever get that? Like, I saw trails using Clomid. I get them anyway, so. Do you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I get trails and spots all the time. Yeah? Hey, Dave, watch this. Hold on a second. Watch this. That Sorry. last bit was scary. Yeah, that's why they couldn't do the because uh, they were going to do the lens replacement surgery and they couldn't do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because huh. my eyes are my, my eyes are actually physically damaged, so they said the lenses wouldn't work. All right, EQ lowest effective dose. That's probably about where he is, two fifty three hundred. I would say you'd from from more from speaking to yourself than actual first hand experience, mm. but I would have said you'll get something from that. Yeah, I I, I find EQ I think it's a great compound personally, but it needs to be run hot. Like if if you're a DECA guy, like you've experienced DECA and you're like, oh yeah, I really like the growth I've gotten from this. I want to try EQ next. I think you're going to need more EQ than you did of DECA personally. Uh, so if I were to say 300 DECA, then I would say four or 500 EQ. But 300 would be the minimal of effective dose in my personal experience. I, you know, I I don't have anything on paper to say that, but just as a coach over the years, I wouldn't go lower than 300 just because it is just the effect is milder and it takes longer to, to, to build. It's not something you're going to see, you know, in week three. Mm -hmm. All right. I find, oh yeah. There is a very quick one on EQ. Yeah. So we, we touched on EQ being an anti-estrogen and, and said that we knew the downstream metabolites had an anti-estrogenic property, but that I'd never actually seen any real world data of in bloods. Okay. I have. Really? Yes. See? I've seen two. Uh, one gentleman was using test. All he did was test was TRT. I think okay. it was about 200 milligrams a week. Okay. He added a small dose of EQ, um, like a couple of hundred. Yeah. And his estrogen got slammed. Oh, really? And that's the only change he made. Um, okay. And I've seen somebody else with the same. Yeah. However, I have also seen plenty where they've run EQ and it's had no impact on estrogen. Yeah, yeah. But we always have this, was it EQ? Are they re really running EQ argument? Because obviously it's all UGL stuff. Yeah. Um, from what I've sort of gleaned from other people... It does very much just seem to be a person-dependent thing. I could see that. I, You know, I think Masteron is person-dependent as well because I've had people running the same brand, first of all. So we have that under control. And obviously there could be variations in batches, but a brand that I'm pretty confident in. I've seen guys that have better estrogen control with uh, Masteron and guys who have poor estrogen control with Masteron. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, there are there are so many other factors as well in all of this that influence things like diet, body fat levels, all this crap comes into it as well. But that was a distinct, I'm here, add EQ, now I'm down here. Yeah, yeah. This is something we've talked about before. was wondering, could Dave comment on the best current gear brands that are available in the UK and any internet sites also. I would appreciate the advice. How do we usually handle that question, Dave? No. 
<laughs> but why? Why, that, why? That's that's why. What I wanted to get at. Why? Why do you not answer that? If, if I if I give somebody a legit brand that I think is decent, then the next thing is, oh, that's my brand, or I'm taking a backhander from that brand, or I'm involved with that brand. Right. If I forget to mention a brand because I'm old and stupid and forget shit, <laughs> then again, I'm bashing that brand because I didn't include them. Yeah. So. I'm, I would rather say nothing because that way I can't be accused of favoritism or non-favoritism or anything of that nature. Fair enough. Nice comment from Vesco in the live stream. He said, shout out to Scott McNally, Victoria, and Dave Crossland for always answering my DMs. You guys are amazing. I'm going to start charging him. Tell him. Why don't you answer my DMs, Dave? I don't like you. Hmm. If you send it from Victoria's account, I'll answer them because I think it's it. <laughs> you probably would, son of a gun. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what do you have going on? You've you mentioned that uh, you know you you're obviously coaching as always, as am I. Uh, you can reach out to either of us for coaching. I'll have Dave's uh, social media down below for me, McNallyDiets at gmail .com. But you were saying you last week that you've been doing. Um, just consultations and coaching for helping other coaches that basically want assistance with PEDs. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we, we've both developed our coaching. We've, we've learned about PAD, PEDs from experience and from speaking to other knowledgeable people and exposure to people like Scott, the clever Scott, not you. Oh. Um, and, and so on and so forth. And obviously some, some personal research as well. Excuse me. Sorry about this. Is fine. I know, and I didn't realise it. Is someone's trying to get in the house? Oh, um, it's Halloween, by the way. While we're recording it is this, Halloween. it is. Halloween. Is it somebody that you want to let in your house, or is it like a guy wearing a mask? It's a delivery guy. Oh, okay. um, but then I, what I, I, a lot of guys don't have that knowledge, and they then are reluctant to take on anabolic users as coaches, as clients, or they struggle a little bit. So it isn't just anabolics, but yes, what I've started doing is offering a coaching support service where basically I shadow coach is probably the wrong word, but I'm there as a reference material. Even if it's just, I'm thinking of doing this with this client, here's his pictures, here's his weight, what do you think? I'd call that a consultant. Yeah, so through to, oh, can you read me these bloods? Can you write a cycle for this client? Um, and then basically, obviously, when I do anything, I explain why, I explain what the causes are or why we're doing what we're doing so that they learn at the same time. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that the steroid machine is actually running. You're making them now? No, oh. the tester. <laughs> so what we're currently doing is we're training up two staff. Um, okay. we're, we're going through our quite extensive pile of samples Okay. To, to make sure that we're confident it is working correctly and consistently. Once we've had a good two, three weeks of that, then what we're probably going to do initially is offer some free testing to certain individuals. Okay. Um, as one for us to trial the system. So the individuals will be invited. They'll get a code to use on the website. Okay. And then it, we get to trial the system, make sure everything's working. And obviously they then become the reference points for 
you know, um, reviews. Okay. And if all if all goes well, I can see it being live. Let's say New Year to be conservative. Okay, that's cool, man. You know that that's going to be a huge benefit too. Like when we had Tim on uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, from Australia, they're they're getting that testing available up and running. I've seen that here for recreational drugs. People are like getting their you know their meth or whatever else tested for purity and for whatever else is in it. So that's that's well, pretty awesome, man. That they're you guys are able we, to do that. Which we're in talks with the Dutch government to, because we're going to provide testing for a project that they're doing around anabolics. Really? Um, which is why everything has to be right. And we're, we're hopefully going to be doing some work with Leeds, Manchester and Liverpool universities as well around the same subject matter. Okay. And Eval might be doing a hep C project with another organization as well, which means we'll be offering free hep C testing for anyone that comes through the door. Okay. Wow. That's great, man. Well, the, the, I think the data around hep C is very skewed, but the research around hep C in the steroid user community says that roughly one in 10 people have hep C that use anabolics. I think that's wrong. I think it's uh, a skewed sample. I, I think the sample was an at-risk group. Um, because of how it was selected. But as a result of that, there is funding in place to offer three hep C testing. Now, hep C for a very long time is symptom-free. Yeah. So it's not always something that's obvious. So I'm talking to them. They asked me to review what they were doing and add my insight into how they would engage with users. And off the back of that, I've said, look, because they were going down, all oh, steroid users at risk, steroid users this. So I said, look, if you go that way, you're just going to turn people off. Yeah. Rather go down the way that, look, hep C, it doesn't show a lot of symptoms, if any at all, for a very long period of time. But if you catch it early, you can get rid of it. Medication will deal with it. So, and if you want, as an outlet, we can just tack a hep C test onto every single test we do. Yeah. Um, and so they've they've said today that they're quite interested in us doing that, but we have to work out some logistics around privacy rules and stuff like that because um, they won't be sending the results back to us. They'll only send them direct to the individual, which is hmm. fine from my point of view, but I said I would like the, the stats yeah, as yeah. in how many do test positive and how many don't. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to offer that shortly. Um, how long that will run for, I don't know, but it just means that anyone we do a blood test for will get a free hep C test. Um, I just saw this. This is Nick Walker. I guess he's out of the Olympia. Oh, I heard Nathan Styles, not Nathan Styles, Nathan Diastri got refused Entry? to board the plane as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, so apparently, they, so if I remember rightly, since 9 11, what they do is they used to, used to fly to America. Yeah. And then present to customs at the American border in the airport. Yeah. Now what they do is they do it over here. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that in yeah. uh, Canada. So they you you present American customs at the country of destination. Yeah. And then you are or not allowed to board the plane. And I believe this is, I don't know how 100% this is, but I believe he was refused huh. to board the plane for the olympia so he's out well by the time this comes out it'll be the like the right after the olympia weekend so everybody will have seen how that unfolds 
if Nathan's mm. not there. I mean, it might it might be a bullshit story as well, uh, but I, yeah. I'm led to believe that yeah, he, he he unfortunately couldn't get his visa sorted. So it's shame. It'd be nice to see what he could do in the Olympia lineup, but it is what it is. You know what? People have been asking for some Uncle Dave advice to close the show out. I don't know if I've got any. You're Mm. out? You tapped out on uh, advice for the kids? Okay. I don't know if it's Dave advice or not, but uh, this came up this week with a friend of mine. Okay. However busy you are, however hectic your lifestyle is, try and take five to ten minutes two, three times a day to sit in silence, no phone, nobody bothering you, and just focus on your breaths for five, ten minutes, and then go back to your day. Don't care how busy you are, there is a way of squeezing that in. And you should find that you are a lot less stressed by the end of the day. Have you been meditating again? Not on an evening, no, but I've, I've always taken a couple of minutes out here and there and just sat and done nothing yeah um well i know that for a while you told me that you got into meditation and you felt like your mindfulness and i could see the difference but i asked because i feel like the last couple weeks you haven't been quite as stressed it seems i had a very stressful month and then that's passed now and things have got a bit quiet Okay. Um, we're actually going away tomorrow for about three, four days. Still going to be working, but we're just going to change the scenery for a few Where are you days. Going? going down to the boat for four days. Oh, nice. Um, so my daughter's going to run the clinic. Um, um, but yeah, it's I've been doing a little bit, but not. I'm not being properly committed to it. I needed to make a bit more effort because I know myself that once I am fully into it, the efficiency goes through the roof. Yeah. It's crazy uh, that you mentioned your the boat. Um, on Peaky Blinders, they would take boats like all the way down to London. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So you just have like like canal systems. Hmm. Just- I'm just off. I'm just off the. I'm just off the Thames. Okay. So I I could sail up to Birmingham if I wanted to. Yeah. Okay. The Grand Union, yeah. Huh. That's wild. But there's canals that run through like the middle of the country, right? There is, but there's so the limiting factor is usually the locks. Um the southern ah. region, so sort of Midlands down, the locks are bigger, wider and longer. Um when you start getting into the northern network, the locks get a lot shorter. Um there's aspect of the canal that runs through Huddersfield that will only fit a seven foot wide boat. Oh, really? Yeah, and we're 12 and a half foot. Oh, okay. So you're kind of stuck. Yeah, so that's why we're down south with it. So we, okay. we've got more. We've got 300 miles of navigational canal. Nice. I would love to do that. You could probably you could probably go over there and like rent a, a, a houseboat or a barge, right? You can, yeah. That'd be crazy, man. Just kind of tool all around. And, and it's not like you have to drive fast. So I feel like you could, if you haven't done it before, like I've driven a boat, you could pick that up pretty easily, huh? You, your top speed is four mile an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the issue is because they're flat bottomed, they don't do well with currents. So on the canal system, you're fine because there's no current. Yeah. But if you enter the river network, which sometimes you have to, uh, you've then got to be wary of tides if they're tidal or currents because because you're flat bottom, it's very easy for the front end to start to, yeah. 
I could see that. You start yeah. just, yeah, getting pulled away. Yeah. Huh. So it's like if you're going to come off a river into a canal, you always try and go up against the current so that your engine's working against the current. Yeah. But on, unlike the Thames, which is quite a strong tidal flow, the tide can be that strong that it's too powerful for the engines and the engines won't be able to work against the, the, the flow. Are you going on the Thames this weekend? No, we're not going anywhere. We're just going to go. We're still sort of setting it up and, and putting things in it. So we're just going to go down and have four days of quietness. Nice. Well, I hope you have a great time. And mm-hmm. um, of course, guys, like I said before, you can reach out to Dave or I for coaching. And Dave's got all of his consultations and all of that. And uh, like I mentioned before, evalbloodanalysis.com. Get your lab work done by Dave if you're in the UK. And go to Strom Sports Nutrition. We're going to get you uh, Rick Foster. He's the owner. We're going to get you his personal phone number and you can call him. And what do they say, Dave? Hi, Think Big Bodybuilding Media. Can I have my three supplements now, please? Exactly. That's what you'll do. And of course, check out truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. You get great quality uh, protein powders, carb powders, get your creatine, everything else you need, and supplementsource.ca for Canadians. Thank you, everybody from Patreon. You guys are awesome. And thank you guys from the live stream. We'll see you soon.